If we fail in the area of stewardship over our lives, we will inevitably miss our destiny. Thank you for joining episode 39 of the Bryce Harper podcast. This is Bryce Harper, and I want to talk to you today about stewardship and why it is so critical for us to be good stewards of our lives, every area of our life. And I want to talk to you out of a very interesting passage of scripture. It's found in the Gospel of John chapter 12. I want to give you a few quotes and give a little bit of context before we get into the text. Um, We got to be good stewards of our lives, of our finances, of our mental health, emotional health, physical health, spiritual health. I mean, we really do need to operate all of those branches in our life as if we are the the CEO, the owner, the president, and we're looking at all these areas of our life. And when you look at how we are investing in our physical health, how we're investing in our mental health, how we are investing in our emotional health, how we are investing in our spiritual health, and all those things take a lot of intentionality from us and the lives that God has given us. And I really do believe if we navigate and steward all of those areas of our lives, those four areas of our life very, very well, we will we will abide, we'll be thriving, we'll be right where God wants us to be. And I guess thinking about financially, you know, I mean, we could go down the list. I highly recommend Dave Ramsey, Financial Peace University, those kind of things if you've never done them before, to really show you on, on a financial um, standard how to steward your life and steward it and steward it well. I mean, if we just looked at our finances and we looked at how much we spend on Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts or Netflix or Spotify, Apple Music, and we look at all the subscriptions that we have to have, DoorDash and cable and Wi-Fi and credit card fees and gaming apps and Amazon Prime and and Uber Eats and, and Crumble Cookie and and maybe gaming apps. And I mean, all those things can add up really, really, really quickly and show us that our outward behavior and our finances is a lack of an inward solidification of God being enough. Robert Morris said it like this. I opened it with it. And that is, if we do not manage our finances well, we will miss our destiny. Robert Morris said that. Pastor Jim Raley said it like this. I'm blessed with everything and entitled to nothing. I'm blessed with everything and entitled to nothing. Dr. Caroline Leaf said, true mental self-care is not chocolate cake and spa days. It's making choices each day that create a life you don't need to regularly escape from. So if you are constantly needing um, for it to be Friday and for it to be five o'clock and for it to be the weekend and and there's plenty of times where I look forward to that in my own life, like a Sabbath. I, I very much look forward. That's very, very important to practice Shabbat and to practice Sabbath and those kind of things. It's it's critical. And the Jewish and the Jewish culture, um, they kept the Sabbath and the Sabbath kept them, as the Jewish nation, Jewish people would would say. And that's very true, and it should be very true of us as well, and how we steward steward our lives. Um, so in John, you know, John and his gospel, it's, you know, thinking about him as an author, he's romantic. He's a philosopher. If you love philosophy, 
then you love the gospel of John. You're attracted to the gospel of John. I'm very much out of all the gospels. I, I love the gospel of John so much. If I had to pick one, I'd pick his. And he opens up with this beautiful prologue that's, you know, a mirror reflection of Genesis. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was... And then, then from there till chapter 12, we see the public ministry of Jesus. And then chapter 13 to 20 is his private teaching. It's also, we see Jesus' longest recorded prayer in John chapter 16. And then John chapter 21 is Jesus' final words. And John emphasized a lot of different things, um, that he is the son of God. Um you know, and he reveals the Father. There is this dualistic perspective. People are either of God or of the world. Um, and he has these um, expressions of the Jesus I am statements. Um, and when you think about of God and of the world and that comparison that John emphasizes, it makes John 3.16 really stand out for God so loved the world that he gave his only only son. Um, John was also the last one to die. He was James's brother, sons of Zebedee. He was Jesus' first cousin. Uh, family back then was really, really close. I know we think our family's really close in whatever region we live in. Maybe here in, the, in Tennessee, we think, man, family's everything. Um, in their time, it's a whole nother level. Um, John makes it very clear that he's the one that Jesus loved. Um, he followed Jesus closely at betrayal. One of, he was one of the three who ruled the church in Jerusalem. John traveled to Ephesus to pastor and dies in Ephesus. And John chapter 12, so when we get to John chapter 12, it is this transition. It is at this junction from public ministry to private ministry. And we see John chapter 12 and a tremendous amount of honor being taken place. Verses 1 through 11, we see Mary did him honor by anointing his feet. Verses 12 through 19, the public honor in his triumphant entry. Verses 20 through 26, the Greeks honored him by inquiring, longing to see him. Verses 27 through 36, God honored him by a voice from heaven. Verses 37 through 41, Old Testament prophets honored him in their writings. Verses 42 and 43, chief rulers honored him even though they didn't own it. And then verses 44 to 50, he claimed honor to himself by asserting his divine mission. So there's seven things there, right? There was private, public, intellectual, divine, historical, authoritative, and then mission. There were all these things that brought honor to who Jesus was. And so in John chapter 12, it's six days before the Passover celebration, Jesus arrives at Bethany to the home of Lazarus the man he had raised from the dead, and a dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. And as we're talking about stewardship, I want you to think about all of that as we read this story. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with them. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard and then anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance. You know, even in the Old Testament temple, right before the entrance of the Holy of Holies there, where the, where the presence of God dwelled, the people of God entered his presence. They worshiped his name and they had there the altar of incense. And Mary shows up 
with this 12 ounce jar of expensive perfume that scholars tell us is worth a year's wages. I don't know about you, but I don't have a year's wages just set up in some jar off to the side somewhere as perfume. I don't have perfume set off to the side that's worth my year's wages. So Mary, Mary was banking. <laughs> Mary, Mary had some cash flow. <laughs> Mary had stacks. Mary was rich. Mary was a good steward of her finances. Mary didn't use um, a year's wages just on anything. Mary had to set aside a year's wages and she didn't just go squander it. She just didn't go spend it. She didn't go sell it and then use the money to just, you know, have spa days and chocolate cake like Dr. Caroline Leaf said. She used it and she worshiped Jesus with it. And she let her hair down. She wiped his feet, which was culturally unaccepted during that time. It was not um, something that um, was looked down upon if, if women had their hair down. And so she shows up with all this value, lets her hair down, wiping his feet with her hair. And again, this was something that was culturally unaccepted. Um, and which makes me just pause and just ask, you know, if if it was something that was unacceptable, was it also unacceptable to give God extravagant worship, to give God extravagant worth? And I just want to start right there as we talk about stewardship just for a few more minutes. We got to think about our lives and how we steward it and and to be extravagant with what we use our life for. Is it for us or is it, or, or, or is it something that we are willing to pour out over the feet of Jesus as it pertains to our finances, as it pertains to the entirety of our life, everything? Is it, you know, something that is unacceptable in society? I would say it is, just like it was for Mary. It is un unacceptable to be passionate, to be extravagant in your pursuit of God. And I, I, I got to ask some questions. What, what are we more concerned with, being culturally relevant or being spiritually consistent? Are we are we more worried about being are, are we more worried about cultural relevance or being divinely submitted or godly appropriate? And we just have to come back and and how we steward our lives to be at this posture and place of adoration of Jesus. And we just have to be crazy about him. We have to do really over the top generous things for God. And I'm not just talking about emptying out your bank account. And I'm not just talking about just finances. I'm talking about things that have a great value in our life. Do we use those things to bring worship to God? And you say, man, I, I say it like this, you know, we may not be able to be at church every day, but we can be the church every day. And in this moment, Mary had a worship service at the dinner table in Bethany. Just like there was an altar of incense in the temple, there was an altar of incense taking place right here in this home. And Judas, the disciple who would soon betray, said that perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Isn't it interesting um, that there was somebody quick to critique um, this act of worship? 
and how quickly Judas was to ascribe worth and value and make it very clear how expensive the perfume perfume was rather than placing that value on Jesus. Jesus was worth that year's wages of perfume, that alabaster box or alabaster jar to be poured over his feet. He was worth that and a hundred times more and exponentially more. And we fail so often in the things that we do for God extravagantly. We place value in objects and materialism and not placing value. We have to be a good steward of those things. We have to be a good steward of what is most valuable in this life. And it's Jesus. And here Mary showed that. She just solidified that. She expressed that. And here is Jesus sitting at the table that, and, and, and Judas says, hey, that money could have been given to the poor, like to help them. Jesus is sitting at the table with Lazarus, somebody he raised from the dead. We don't have a supply issue at, in, in this juncture. We don't, Jesus multiplied a boy's lunch and fed thousands. There isn't an issue here of what can God do? Can God meet the needs of people? He went everywhere and, and healed diseases and sickness numerous times. The issue here is worship. The issue here is value. The issue here is the control of stewarding this very, very expensive bottle of perfume. The problem was that Judas saw more value in the perfume bottle than he saw in Jesus. And we know that through his life. We know that through the Gospels. Worship was the issue. There was worship for the perfume bottle more than the worship of who the perfume bottle was being poured over. Pastor Eddie said it like this. Peter had a bad day. Judas had a bad heart. Some people need restoring. Some people need releasing. Learning the difference is key to a life with less drama. Verse 6 says, not that Judas cared for the poor, he was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. You see, those who do not worship Jesus extravagantly critique those who do intensely. Why? Because they believe your life's work or worship should be in their hands, not on Jesus' feet. Because the enemy desires control, God desires worship. The enemy wants for himself, God wants for yourself. God gave so that we could have, right? And so we give back the value that he deserves. And Jesus replied, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You always have the poor among you, Jesus said, but you'll not always have me. And when all the people heard of Jesus' arrival, they flocked to see him and also to see Lazarus, the man Jesus had raised from the dead. Then the leading priest decided to kill Lazarus too. The priests, spiritual leaders, they went from being leader, spiritual leaders to being physical murderers based on someone else's supernatural production. And that's just like religion. Religion becomes envious. Instead of producing greater works, they work greatly to commit evil actions. If we have a problem with God being God and people doing greater things than us, then we need to just simply go out and do greater works. If the leading priests were upset because they felt they should have had 
that following or a greater following, then they should have done something to cause people to want to follow them. Instead of trying to become better, they just try to destroy Jesus and his following. And that still goes on to this very day. Churches and ministry, social media, we're always trying to undermine. We're always trying to devise ways to destroy. And what God is doing in our church and many churches is amazing. It's all amazing. It's all miraculous. It's all incredible. And we should never, ever try to undermine someone else's following just because they're not following us. Let's continue to do great works. Let's continue to do what God has called us to do. Let's continue to be good stewards of what he's given us and ascribe the worth and worship to God. Verse 11, for it was because of him, Lazarus, that many people had deserted them and believed in Jesus. God does something good. Then here are the religious leaders trying to reciprocate by not doing something good as well, but do something evil. Next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city and a large crowd Passover visitors took palm branches and went down to the road to meet him. And they shouted, praise God, blessing on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the king of Israel. What did Jesus do? He stayed on mission. He stayed focused. Um, he allowed that worship to continue. And may it be said of us that we would be good stewards of our lives. And it got me thinking, um, when I was in college, I was a server. Um, I waited tables at a couple of different restaurants and one was, um, Oh Charlie's. If you ever heard of Oh Charlie's, I waited tables there. And then I also waited tables at a restaurant in Cleveland, Tennessee called a bald headed bistro. Really, really nice five-star restaurant. And I just learned a lot during that time that really just kind of rolls over into ministry and everything that I do as a pastor is, is like a server. I'm just setting the table. I am just setting the table for people to have this experience with God, not with me. When you go out to eat, right, you're not coming to see the server. You're coming to have this moment with the person that you're with, I have an anniversary dinner with my wife, right? I am there to have this experience with her. And, and there were so many times where I would wait tables and I would do a perfect job, yet the guest was absolutely just in a terrible mood and didn't get a tip and nothing was good enough, even though everything that we did was above and beyond. And I always try to do that when I wait when I wait at tables. I always try to go beyond the expectations. Whatever that was, bringing extra rolls or trying to slip in a dessert or just anything or like I would just do those things um, just to try to go above and beyond and meet expectations and get a good tip. But there are so many times I waited tables and it just never met the need. And it got me thinking, there's a lot of times people come to church and they are expecting everything to be perfect. And we as ministers and pastors... I tell my staff, one of our core values is excellence. We got, it's not about doing a perfect job. It's just about doing the best job that we possibly can do with what we've been given. That's excellence to me. You just do the absolute best job that you possibly can with the resources that you have available. And there's so many times people come in and we do as best of a job as we possibly can. And people can leave mad and upset 
And just like I wait tables for somebody in the restaurant, so I wait tables for people who come to church. And it doesn't matter if I cook the steak perfect, if everything is warm and hot and timely. There are just times people are just upset. And so many times in church, people get upset with all the details. They get upset with this, not realizing it is not about all those things. It is about who you are sitting across from and having a dinner with. When I go out and have an anniversary dinner or day night with my wife, I could care less. I am not just my whole evening destroyed because my steak was a little overcooked or the food didn't come soon enough or it took too long to get to my table. If my life and my marriage is right and good, which it is, and it's amazing, it doesn't matter where we're at. It doesn't matter what's going on because that relationship is solid, is beautiful, is fun, it's vibrant. She's my best friend. All these things. And too many times we have all of these things out of order in our relationship with God. And we're not even looking across the table. We're not even looking at him. We're not even enthralled with him. And that's exactly what Mary did. She came in. She wouldn't worry about anything else other than who was at the table. And I want to encourage anybody and everybody listening, just, just be fascinated with Jesus at the table. You get caught up with the accessories. You get caught up with all these details. Get fascinated. That's how we steward our lives well. When we get enthralled and fixated on him and when we give him worship, when everything that we do is about him. So many times in church and ministry world, I see it and it and it and it bothers me. We think and we believe the special guest is a first time visitor and they are. They're important. We do we do a lot of things to try to, you know, implement things and systems to try to get people plugged in and connect and make them feel welcome. We're big on that on hospitality. We're huge on that. We're always trying to make that better. But I tell my team and everybody else at church, the reason why we are here today is because of God. We are here to worship him. We're not here to worship the first time guest. We're not here to worship the first time giver. We're not here to worship them. We're here to worship Jesus. We are here to break out our box, pour it over his feet to do something extravagant for him. And too often we do things extravagant for each other. We do things extravagant and hoping we can, we get like Judas. We want to do things. We want to be in control. And we want to um, have our hands in on the perfume that's being poured out on Jesus. And so I'm going to continue this in, a, in another series, um, part two. So continue to listen and thank you for joining in and listening uh, to the Bryce Harper podcast. Hope this is encouraging to you. And don't ever forget a good start envisions the end result.